الحج أشهر معلومات لبيك اللهم لبيك الحج أشهر معلومات لبيك لا شريك لك لبيك الحج أشهر معلومات إن الحمد والنعمة لك الحج أشهر معلومات فمن فرض فيهن الحج فلا رفث ولا فسوق ولا جدال في الحج وما تفعلوا من خير يعلمه الله وتزودوا فإن خير الزاد التقوى واتقون يا أولي الألباب Hajj, a journey of love with the respected Madonna Muhsin Zalgonka. Once again, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the series of the Voice of the Cape none other than the respected Maluna Muhsin Zalgonka, the Imam of the Mosque in Victoria Road, Grassy Park. Maluna, Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And once again, shukran very much for availing yourself to be here once again this evening. Afwan Buddha Fisha, it's my pleasure. Alhamdulillah. So, Maluna, once again, as uh, we've heard the intro, we're talking about Hajj, the journey of love. And of course, we started off by entering the most beautiful place on earth. And we stayed there because we were very reluctant <laughs> to leave. So this evening, of course, you will then take us even further in Medina Sharif, inshallah. So without further ado, the Fadwash. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmadun nusalli ala habibihi al-Kareem wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh once again to our esteemed Thank listeners. Yes, it gives me great pleasure to be in your company again on this beautiful eve, on this beautiful day. Uh, Alhamdulillah, we started a beautiful topic last week. Hmm. And yes, rightfully said, Hajj is a journey of love, a journey of mahabba. We need to realize Hajj is one of the pillars of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us in the glorious Quran, right, that upon man for the sake of and for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Hajj of the Baytullah hmm. for those who have the istita'ah, those that can perform and those that have the necessary ability and capability to be there. Mm. So not only does it mean that you need to have money to take you there, no. There has to be enough at home for your family. There has to be enough at home for your dependents. You cannot go on this sacred journey and deprive your parents, for example, uh, of their haq or mm. of their share if, if they are dependent upon you, mm. your children, your offspring, your wife or your wives. Um, and then your path to and fro should be a safe one. Mm. You should be, should be of age, etc., etc. But we were speaking about <coughs> the, 
the importance of when one has this desire and Allah avails one this ability and also I can say the permission to perform the Hajj. Hajj is that beautiful ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the Prophet sallallahu mentions and reminds us that whosoever performs this Hajj they return back home as if they have been purified in such a manner as if the mother has just given birth to them. Born again. Born again. Dying. They are pure. They are clean. No. And this is perhaps one of the greatest uh, miracles of the Hajj. One of the greatest benefits of the Hajj is that one is availed the opportunity to start afresh. Mm. Your sheet is wiped absolutely clean. <clears throat> and it is for this reason that the ulama have mentioned that when one makes the intention to go for Hajj, then one should first pay a visit to Medina. Hmm. First pay a visit to the Prophet And the question is why? You know, it takes me back <coughs> to the month of Ramadan, hmm. if I may. You know, we anticipate, look forward to the glorious month of Ramadan. But three months prior to Ramadan, the Prophet mm-hmm. already instructs his ummah from the month of Rajab. He already says, increase your ibadah. Increase the amount of istighfar that you make. Increase the amount of tilawah that you perform. Increase. Even Prophet himself mm-hmm. used to increase so mm-hmm. much. And the question is why? Ramadan is... Another two months, mm. three months away. Mm. But no, the prophet says, no, from the month of Rajab, start, prepare yourself. Why? Because as soon as you enter the glorious month of Ramadan, right, the month of Ramadan is that glorious month which grants one such fazilat, uh, such greatness. Uh, Allah purifies one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers you with his rahmah. Allah forgives you. So, you do not just enter the month and expect Allah to forgive you. No. You have to prepare. Right. You have to prepare. Right. It is like a person going for Hajj. Hmm. And I have seen it with my own eyes, Buddha Yusuf. You know, uh, what else is there for us to do besides the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Hmm. Some people spend more time in the souk. We hmm. understand hmm. that. Hmm. But besides that, we are not there. We are not going to work. Right. right. We are there for a mer- aim, for a mission, for a purpose. And that is to make the ibadat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person hasn't sat with a tasbih at home for half an hour, for an hour, hmm. two hours, hmm. he will not be able to sit for 15 minutes in the haram. Most unlikely. Definitely. Right. If a person hasn't made the tilawah of the glorious Quran, sat with the Quran for two, three hours at home, you cannot expect that person to go and sit in the haram. And now he wants to make the tilawah of the glorious kalam of Allah for two, three hours. He's going to feel bored. And we see this, we see this is the reason why people are more out of the haram than in the haram. Hmm. They want to be outside because outside they can do as they wish, as they did at home. But the main thing is preparation. Prepare yourself so that when the glorious month of Ramadan comes, then we become true recipients of the rahmah of Allah. Deserving. Deserving. If you're not going to be deserving, if Hmm. your iman, your taqwa, uh, your your tawakkul in Allah is not going to be of a certain level. Mm. 
it is going to be like a, a glass. The smaller the glass, the less water it's going to can hold. Can hold. Right. The less water is going to hold. Right. So you have to build yourself to such a, a level that when the month of Ramadan, and remember the month of Ramadan, it, you are poured with mercy of Allah. It's unlimited amount mm. of mercies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to prepare ourselves for that. Right. If we're not going to be prepared, the same is for Hajj. If we want to be in the mercy and bathing in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the plains of Arafat, we have to be prepared for it. Hmm. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to clear and cleanse ourselves. If we want our dua, people always say, uh, and here I speak to myself first, we always say, you know, I'm making a certain dua, I'm making a certain dua for so many days, so many weeks, so many months, and yet I haven't seen the fruits of that dua. All right. All right. Allah knows best hmm. whether it is going to be beneficial for me in this dunya or whether it's going to be beneficial for me for the hereafter. But we are man. It is part of the disposition of man. Right. When we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something which is halal, we would like a response hmm. uh, in, in our favor. And, and, we would, and, immediate. and immediately we want right. to see and we want to see the fruits thereof immediately. Right. 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 And for that, the ulama have mentioned, yes, it can happen. You need to become mustajabu da'wat. Now, what is mustajabu da'wat? Yeah. Mustajabu da'wat means when you ask Allah, then Allah makes it, like they say, mustajab. Your du'a is mustajab. Right. Allah accepts it immediately. Hmm. And this we find that the pious of the pious, of the Sufia, of the awliya, the ulama, the very pious people. They are such that when they lift their hands and they make a dua, immediately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers their prayers and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala avails them, hmm. whatever it is that they want. So now the question is, how do you become mustajab? On the plains of Arafat, it is mentioned that Allah accepts all your duas. Permissible to us. We are speaking about permissible, permissible to us. Right. Allah accepts it. Why? Because you have been cleansed. You have been purified. Hmm. And when you are pure from sin, when you are pure from fault, when you are pure, your heart is pure, your mind is pure, this is the time when the dua is accepted. Uh-huh. So, the Prophet ﷺ so, says, like he said for Ramadan, before you go for Hajj, you also have to prepare yourself. And the ulama mentioned that you need to rid yourself of sin, purify yourself. Hmm. And how do you do that? The Quran gives us the beautiful answer. The Quran reminds us, <coughs> Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Rahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us <coughs> that when you have sinned, when you have erred, when you have made a mistake, ja'uka, ja'uka means you have to go to the Prophet. When you sin, go to the Prophet. Fastaghfirullah. And in the presence of the Prophet, you ask Allah for forgiveness. Rasul, And the Prophet will also ask for forgiveness on your behalf. You will find Allah oft forgiving, most merciful. Sahaba Ikram asked that, Ya Rasulullah, yes, when we find you, whether it be in Makkah al or in Madinatul Rasul, and 
you know, it's the nature of man. We tend to make mistakes. We mm. tend to sin. Mm. Uh, we are not sinless like the prophets are. But Ya Rasulullah, what do we do? Today we can come running to you. Mm. And you can intercede on our behalf and make dua for us. What do we do when you have left this materialistic dunya? Mm. The Prophet Sallallahu mentioned, you come to my qabr. You come to my grave. And you ask Allah for forgiveness. And I will also intercede on your behalf and Allah will forgive you. And a sahabi then said, but Ya Rasulullah, some of us will be migrating. What happens then hmm. if we make a mistake? The Prophet Sallallahu mentions that wherever you are, use my name. Allah. And inshallah, through the barakah of my name, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you your sins. Allah. Subhanallah. So here we are granted the opportunity of a visitation to that grand abode. Allah. Yes. Where the Prophet alayhi salatu was salam is buried. Hmm. And we have the opportunity to ask Allah, to repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to forgive us through the barakah of that Mubarak abode where the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is resting. And through the wasila of the Rasul alayhi salatu wa we can ask Allah and Allah will forgive us. And once He forgives us, then, Buddha Yusuf, for me and you, we perhaps cannot come onto the plains of Arafat, but we can ex. Uh, we can experience Arafat right where we are today, mm. right in our homes. Mm. We need to take our Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and associate ourselves with him. Mm. He is the mercy unto the entire universe. He is our Rasul. He is the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa taala. الحج أشهر معلومات فمن فرض فيهن الحج فلا رفث ولا فسوق ولا جدال في الحج وما تفعلوا من خير يعلمه الله وتزودوا فإن خير الزاد التقوى واتقون يا أولي الألباب Hajj, a journey of love with respected Molina Muhsin Zalkonga. Molina, we're back after the break, and of course, we are still in the wonderful city of Rasul Sallallahu Alhamdulillah, you know, the Hujjaj are very fortunate. They're visiting the root of Islam and Iman. The foundation of our love, Makatul Mukarrama and Madinatul Munawwara. We as a Ummah, and I say it again, a fortunate Ummah. Last week we heard how fortunate we are. Right. right. We are so fortunate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves this Ummah more than all other Ummahs. Alhamdulillah. Just because <coughs> of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa And so we need to love the Prophet firstly. And then we need to love everything and everyone associated with the Prophet. And everything that is associated with the Prophet. We need to show this love and muhabba. We spoke about his Sahaba. 
We spoke about why this era is the greatest of all, all eras. We spoke about the sands of Medina because of its association with the Prophet. You know, Khalid bin Walid, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, great Sahabi Rasul, great warrior, hmm. great warrior of Islam. Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid used to fight every battle and every battle that he used to fight, he used to be victorious. Hmm. In, one uh, in one specific battle, Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid was engaged with an opponent and then his amama fell from his head. Hmm. His amama fell onto the ground and Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid bent down to pick up his amama, hmm. to place it back on his head. And then he got up and he carried on fighting. But after the battle, it was said to him that, Oh Khalid bin Walid, we saw something very strange on the battlefield today. And that is that you're such a brave warrior of Islam, but today because of a uh, issue or something that happened on that battlefield, so referring to his amama which fell off from right, his head, right. you could have been killed. And this would have been negligence on your behalf. How can you do this whilst uh, uh, engaged with an opponent on the battlefield? Right. And Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid, uh, he just listened to them. And when they asked him again, oh Khalid bin Walid, explain to us why. Why was it so important for you to recollect your amama that fell off and put it back onto your head and then carry on fighting? No. Could you not have fought without it? Without it? No. And Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid, brave warrior of Islam, he takes off his amama. And in one of the sides of the amama, <clears throat> he takes out a little plastic bag. And he opens this plastic bag, and in it there is one strand of hair. So he shows his friends, he says, do you see what this is? This is one of the strands of hair of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave to me. And he says, Khalid bin Walid has this iman and this belief that I'm successful in every battle because of the barakah of this one strand of hair of the Rasul The barakah of this one strand, loving everything associated with the Prophet Buddha Yusuf, Maqam Ibrahim. Tell me, what is Maqam Ibrahim? We respect Maqam Ibrahim. Maqam Ibrahim is mentioned in the glorious Quran of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maqam Ibrahim is a stone, hmm. a stone on which there is a footprint of Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. And yet Maqam Ibrahim has this great maqam and this great status. Right. Allah says, وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُسَلَّى Take Maqam Ibrahim as your musalla. After we complete the tawaf of the glorious Kaaba, then we are told we make two rak'ats, sunnah salah, at the maqam Ibrahim. Or behind maqam Ibrahim. Uh, yeah, uh, behind wherever we find prayer. Right. It does not mean that you have to stand right there. Right. But wherever you stand, but take maqam Ibrahim. So even if you standing on the opposite side because of uh, place, right. Uh, right. Constraints, whatever, the intention still has to be huh. that I'm standing behind maqam Ibrahim. Ibrahim. You have to take Maqam Ibrahim as your musalla. Hmm. For what? For your tawaf to be accepted. Allah. What is it? It is a stone. Hmm. A stone. But it is a stone on which there is a footprint of a Nabi of Allah. Allah. 
a Nabi of Allah, and that becomes your musalla. Hmm. It becomes the abode where you have to perform salah, and through the barakah of that maqam Ibrahim, Allah will accept the tawaf of the glorious Kaaba which you have performed. We are speaking here of a Nabi of Allah, Ibrahim hmm. Khalilullah alayhi hmm. salatu wasalam. What about our beloved Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasalam? What about the beloved Mahbub of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You know, so much we can speak about uh, associating with the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasalam. The Sahaba used to collect, when the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasalam used to perform water, they used to collect the water that used to drop after the Prophet Sallallahu used to take and wash his hands and his feet and his face. Okay. Ma, would that mean perform wudu? Yes. When okay, the because, ma, because you said it performed water. So oh, sorry, ma, ma, when he performed, performed wudu, then the water that used to fall from the body of the Prophet yeah, or from the hands of the Rasul Sallallahu the Sahaba used to collect it. Today, if somebody performs wudu or takes wudu right. and you go and collect that water, what you do? Uh, uh, people will say, are yeah. you mad? Yes. You understand? Yes. It's already, like you would say in the fiqh terms, my musta'mal. It is a used water. You cannot reuse it for wudu purposes mm-hmm. or for cleansing purposes. The sahaba used to collect it. Why? Because that water that was used by the Rasul mm-hmm. for wudu, it was not just pure, even purer after the Rasul used to take wudu. Allah. And because it had touched the blessed body of the Rasul, because it touched the blessed body of the Rasul, it had it association with the blessed body of the Prophet Sallallahu the Sahaba knew that no, this is now a special water. Right. And they used to take this water and rub it on their bodies. They used to collect this water and take it home and rub it on the bodies of the families and of their children. Hmm. And they used to be cured. They used to uh, be granted shifa through this barakah of this water of the Rasul Sallallahu So, associating oneself with the Rasul Sallallahu is very important. Respecting everything that was associated with the Prophet, respecting Medina, respecting the sand. And you know, this respect was in Medina. Last week you asked me the question about the tranquility. It stems down to this respect. It is an abode of respect. The way a person, you should not raise your voice. The Quran says, don't raise your voice in the presence of the Rasul. When you're in Medina, you're in the presence of the Rasul. So automatically, Allah has placed it in the hearts of people. That in Medina, they would not quarrel as they would quarrel in Makkah. Right, we see right. it happening yes, in Makkah. Yes, of course. They would not raise their voices as they would raise it elsewhere. Mm. So everything is uh, lowered. You become more humble. Mm. You become uh, more subservient to your Creator, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. You know when Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala revealed the ayah, and it is in Surah Hujra, the opening verses. That do not raise your voices in the presence of the Rasul. The Sahaba Ikram realized that no, this is going to be a problem if we're going to raise our voices. Because if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has now placed a, a ban on raising your voice in front of the Prophet, how do we know how loud we should speak in his presence? Uh. Do you know what Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Umar did? Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Sayyidina Umar, they took pebbles hmm. and they placed it in their mouths so that when they would speak to the Rasul, then they would not speak with a loud voice. Uh-huh. 
At times the Prophet would ask them, Ya Abu Bakr, what are you saying? Mm. Oh Umar, what are you saying? And they would repeat again and again, but in such a soft tone. But, but still in that st- same soft tone. S- same soft tone. Oh. Because they were afraid. Allah has pro- put a prohibition on raising your voice in the presence of the Rasul. There, is, there was a Sahabi Rasul, Sayyidina Qais, radiallahu ta'ala. Sayyidina Qais was a Sahabi Rasul who had a hearing problem. Right. right. And we know for a fact, a person that has a hearing problem, he cannot hear himself. It is natural that he tends to speak louder. Sure. Right. Sure. We know that. Yeah. Right. So a person who hears less tends to speak louder. It is something just very natural. Right. Sayyidina Qais radiallahu ta'ala anhu, one day spoke in the presence of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And his voice was naturally, we right. are speaking of right. naturally, right. raised. Right. And Allah revealed this ayah. Allah, just look at this. The adab that the Prophet ﷺ deserves and the adab that Allah is teaching humanity to observe in the presence of the Rasul ﷺ. So Sayyidina Qais when this ayat was revealed that do not raise your voice in the presence of the Rasul, he felt that something which is very natural to me, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes me speaking in this tone in the presence of the Rasul, I would rather stay at home than to invite the wrath and the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Sayyidina Qais remained at home. Hmm. A few days passed by. But Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam always worried about his sahaba. Hmm. Inquired, where is Qais? I haven't seen him. And it was said that, Ya Rasulullah, because of the ayah that was revealed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of this ayat which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, Sayyidina Qais feels that if he perhaps speak to the Prophet in a raised voice, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uh, shower adab upon him. And this is the reason that he is not coming into your presence. Rasulullah said, no, call Qais. Tell him that I miss him. Tell him to come. So Sayyidina Qais radiallahu ta'ala anhu came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he was crying hmm. because he did not want to speak. Hmm. As much as he would have loved to say and greet the Prophet and ask the Prophet so many things, right. Sayyidina Qais was afraid to even open his mouth. Hmm. And on seeing this, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam hugged him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam hugged him and told him, Oh Qais, you should not worry. You are not doing it out of disrespect. Uh. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed another ayah which just follows after this one. Allah says, those who lower their voices, their natural voices, aswatahum in the Rasulullah, in the presence of the Rasul they are those whose hearts Allah has chosen for taqwa. They are the ones whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive. And for them, there is a great reward. So when the Sahaba heard this, they became overwhelmed. Mm. Alhamdulillah. So the question is, why was a prohibition put upon Sayyidina Qais radiallahu ta'ala anhu? Why? Do you know? Uh, after that incident, People could have raised their voice in the Prophet in the presence Reason. of the Prophet. Yeah. They could have raised it. Yeah. 
And if they had to be asked, why are you speaking with a raised voice? They could have said, it is a sunnah of Qais. Hmm. Hmm. It is a sunnah of Qais, a Sahabi Rasul. We are hmm. just following and emulating a Sahabi Rasul. Right. So Allah had put a prohibition even on this. On that. that yeah. No, do not raise your voice in the presence of my beloved Mahbub. Hmm. It's my beloved Rasul. So associating oneself with the Rasul, showing respect. Allah repeats over and over again to show respect. Show your izzah to the Prophet. Respect him. Respect everything associated with the Prophet. There's a beautiful incident of Sayyidah Aisha Siddiqa. You know, everything that is associated with the Prophet. The Sahaba, we he keep the Sahaba in the highest of esteem. Hmm. Why? Because of the association with the Prophet yeah. You know, it is just sad, Buddha Yusuf, to see that today in today's time, you know, things that was were associated with the Prophet, or as we would say, Islamic relics, hmm. whether it be the sword of the Prophet, whether it be the stick of the Prophet, whether it be the amama of the Prophet, you know. Everything the plate we are out the uh, the prophets used to eat mm. the sandals the prophets used to wear, you know, these ziyarats are becoming less and less, mm. and even in our own Islamic countries, you go to the museum, beautiful museum you find in Medina, right. beautiful. How many of the artifacts of the prophets is Islam. there? No, but it will be said now it's not permissible. It is this. It is that. It is mm. bidah. Mm. But then in the very same museum, you will find the pen with which the king wrote, mm. his mm. ink pot, right. the chair on which he sat. And that's not bidah, the that's vest, nothing wrong no, with that. No, the vest that he wore, mm. all these things, the wallet that he used to keep, keep in his <laughs> pocket, all these things are there, preserved for nations and nations to see until the day of Qiyamah. But when it comes to the Prophet, we have an issue, we have a, a problem. Allah. Sayyidah Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha. One day she was busy cleaning the home, cleaning the house. Rasulullah sallallahu had gone to bury a sahabi. He had gone to the Qabristan. A beautiful day, beautiful hot day, sun was out. Rasulullah sallallahu returned and came back into the, the room, the Hujra Aisha, the room of Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha. And she ran towards the Rasul sallallahu and then very lovingly, she started touching his Mubarak head, his shoulders, mm. uh, felt his, his body, his clothes. And when asked that, oh, Aisha, wh- what, are you, what are you looking for? Right. What are you feeling? Mm. She says, Ya Rasulullah, it is raining so much outside. And the Prophet said, but oh, Aisha, it's not raining. Mm. The sun is shining. There's not a cloud in the sky. She says, no, it's raining. I'm just came to see if you are perhaps wet. You tell me, Buddha Yusuf Fadakh, if, if we have to say this to our wives, uh, if the uh. sun is shining and she said, tell us it's raining, we say, no, no, no. It's a silly MJC to the Khan. The Prophet very lovingly says to her, oh, Aisha, no, it is not raining. The sun is shining. And she's adamant. She says, no, but I can see. And the Prophet says to her, Oh Aisha, you have my scarf on your head. Hmm. She says, Yes, Ya Rasulullah, I was busy cleaning and I came across your scarf. And, uh, you know, instead of putting it on another place, I thought, let me tie it on my head. (laughs) 
The Prophet says to her, O oh, Aisha, remove my scarf. Take it off. And when she removed the scarf from her head, the Prophet says to her, Oh Aisha, look outside. And when she looked out, she sees a beautiful day. It was not raining. Right. And she said, But Ya Rasulullah, a moment ago I could see rain. No. And the Prophet says, Oh Aisha, put my scarf back on your head. Hmm. And she placed the scarf back on her head. And then she sees as if rain is falling. Right. And the Prophet says, Oh Aisha, do you know what you are seeing? You are not seeing rain. Hmm. Because you are wearing the scarf of Muhammad Rasulullah Wasallam, the scarf that is associated with the Prophet of Allah. No. You are wearing it on your head. Through the barakah of that scarf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has increased your eyesight. Through the barakah of that scarf, Allah has increased your eyesight to even see the rahmah of Allah falling Allah. upon Medina. The rahmah of Allah that is falling upon Medina, you can now see because of the barakah of that scarf that you have on your head. And she mistake for rain. She saw that it was rain. Allah. And this is the association and yeah. associating oneself with the Prophet MashaAllah. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, don't want to, but have to. أشهر معلومات فمن فرض فيهن الحج فلا رفث ولا فسوق ولا جدال في الحج وما تفعلوا من خير يعلمه الله وتزودوا فإن خير الزاد التقوى واتقون يا أولي الألباب Hajj, the journey of love, with the respected Maulana Muhsin Zalkonka. And just before I give back to Maulana, I just want to say to the listeners, we have got all the kasidas that we need for this evening's kasida request, after this of course, so don't send any more requests for any more kasidas because we have our tally for this evening. Kanala, check the time, it is now quarter to ten. Anything that comes in now and after this, I cannot accommodate. Maaf Malina for interrupting, but please continue. <coughs> yes, Buddha Yusuf. So, uh, Alhamdulillah, you know, we were speaking about associating oneself with the Prophet and this is so important within our lives. Yeah. You know, there is a beautiful Urdu couplet hmm. which says that Muhammad ki muhabbat Dini Haki Sharti Awalhai. Muhammad ki Muhabbat Dini Haki Sharti Awalhai Usimeho or Isimeho Agarhami to Sabkushna Mukamalhai. The translation thereof is that the Muhabba that one has for the Prophet it is the Dini Haki Sharti Awal, the very first condition to your Iman. The very first condition. If there is a problem with this muhabba towards the Prophet then everything else is going to be incomplete. Which takes us back to that hadith of the Prophet that your iman cannot be complete unless and until the love you have for me is more than the love you have for your parents, for, for your family, for anything else. Right. So, 
Yes, when you and now when we speak about the greatness of this Prophet ﷺ, again I come to this very same question which I posed last week. How do you present yourself in Medina? No. You know, thinking about this grand Prophet, hmm. this great Prophet ﷺ. And last week I started off, remember Buddha Yusuf about yeah. Jibreel alayhi salatu That was just before we broke. Just before we broke? Yes. yes. Jibreel alayhi salatu also had this very same uh, dilemma, if I can put it in that way. Um, he used to frequent the Prophet a lot. Hmm. But especially on this night of Mi'raj, he found the Prophet asleep. Right. And yet he has come from the Almighty Allah has sent him. To invite his Rasul But Jibreel saw his beloved Nabi mm-hmm. Our beloved Nabi asleep mm-hmm. He could have gone Shaken the Prophet Call on the Prophet Raise his voice like mm-hmm. we go about <laughs> Waking our uh, family Our friends, our children for example right, right. <laughs> uh, But no why Jibreel alayhi salatu realized that no perhaps this is a test for me as well ah. right so instead of it becoming a sign of disrespect Jibreel alayhi salatu returns and says oh Allah your beloved Mahboob is asleep hmm. Allah knew that right of course Allah knows no, it of course so he says oh Allah your beloved is asleep how should I go about waking him? Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to his archangel Jibreel, O Jibreel, it is because of this night that I have created your lips from camphor. Jibreel alayhi salatu mm-hmm. lips are created from camphor. Because it is in my knowledge that on the night of Mi'raj, when I send an invitation to my mahboob, to my beloved, he will be asleep. So, O oh, Jibreel, go to him and kiss his feet. Hmm. And with the coolness of the camphor, he will wake up from oh, his wow. sleep and extend the invitation of the Mi'raj to my beloved Rasul. Even the Malaika being taught, being taught, hmm. this is the adab you need to show in the presence of the Rasul. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it, speaks about. The importance of this respect towards the Prophet ﷺ in this very same uh, Surah Hujarat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first speaks about the way you need to walk when you walk with the Prophet, the way you need to address and speak to the Prophet, the way you need to address him uh, from outside of his home. For example, when the Sahaba or delegations used to come to the Prophet some of them used to shout from outside, Oh Muhammad, they would say, We are here, we have come to meet you. Allah had put a prohibition even on that. The way they address one another, um, they would say, You are like my brother's son. You are like my brother. You are like this. And the Prophet says, No, he's not your brother. He's not your brother's son. He's not any one of your uh, uh, children. He is a Rasul of Allah. So Allah has put prohibitions on how we interact with the Prophet, how we speak with him, how we walk with him, how we sit when we sit in his company. And then Allah says, and if you do not adhere to this, 
then beware. For verily, your deeds will be taken away. Because of this disrespect, your deeds will be taken away. And you would not even know about it. You're only going to find out when? On the day of Qiyamah. Yeah, you could find out that because of my disrespect to the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah had taken away all. Like we, 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 we cited the example of Iblis. Iblis thought he had so much of ibadat. Hmm. Iblis thought, you know, it is mentioned that Iblis had so much of sajda, sujood. He made so much of sujood for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if his sujood has to be spread throughout this dunya, then there would not be an inch of ground open where Iblis did not perform sajda. Allah. Can you imagine how much sujood he made? He no, made? No. And thus he, he was boastful. Right. No. I'm better than you. Allah has just created you now from water and from sand, from clay. I'm better than you. He said to, to Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. But what Allah wanted was that he respect Adam alayhi salam for being Khalifatullah, the Khalifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for being the first creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the form of man. And he thought, my ibadat is going to save me. My sujood is going to save me. Hmm. And yet Allah took everything away. Allah took everything away. Hmm. So, antahbata amalukum. You should not show disrespect. Antahbata amalukum. For fear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take away hmm. all of our deeds. So, when you enter Madinatul Munawwara, the best thing that we can do is to recite salawat upon the Rasul. And this is so important, not only in Medina, wherever we find ourselves. Salawat and reciting salam, saying Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad wa ashabi wa barik wa sallim. It is a dua, it is a dhikr of Allah, it is a shifa. You know, there are so many greatnesses, so many virtues that one can speak of with regards to the salawat, the advantages of the salawat, that Allahu Akbar... Uh, you know, Imam Ghazali, very quickly, something that just comes to mind, Imam Ghazali mentions it in his Mukashif al-Qulub. And speaking about this one salawat, that if we do it with love and muhabba, the, the advantages thereof, he says on the day of Qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, we know about the weighing at the scales of justice. Hmm. Adam alayhi salatu wasalam will be stationed at the scales. And as the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam come and the deeds get weighed they will be summoned to go to Jannatul Firdaus but there will be one person he will be summoned to go to Jahannam and Adam والسلام, will see this and knowing that it is the ummah of the final messenger he will immediately go in search of the Rasul والسلام, and say Ya Rasulullah one of your ummati one of your followers is being dragged to the fire of Jahannam the Prophet والسلام, will return and the Prophet ﷺ will be sad to see his, his one uh, ummah being taken to Jahannam. And because of the sadness of the Prophet ﷺ, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will immediately call upon. Allah says that I will ensure that my mahboob will always be happy. So when the mahboob becomes saddened, Allah will ask that, Oh my mahboob, why are you sad? And the Prophet ﷺ will say that, Oh Allah. My one ummah is being dragged to Jahannam. And Allah will ask, now what is it that you desire? Hmm. And the Prophet sure. will say, I desire that he be brought back to the scales and these deeds be reweighed. He will be brought back to the scales. The command will come from the Almighty Allah. 
The malaika will say, but we have already waited. And Allah will say, no, take him back. This is a desire of my mahboob, of my beloved. Deeds will be placed. And again, the good deeds will be less than the bad deeds. Right. And the right. malaika will say, Ya Rasulullah, this was the very same result the first time around. Hmm. And the Prophet yes, it is mentioned in this hadith, the Prophet will remove something. Something so small, it cannot be seen. Hmm. A shay, something so small and minute. And the Prophet will place it on the side of the good deeds. And immediately, the good deeds will outweigh the bad deeds. Hmm. And yet, whatever the Prophet placed on that side, so minute, it cannot be seen. It, it had absolutely no... Uh, uh, body to it right. It was so minute And that person will then be commanded That go to Jannatul Firdaus But before he goes He will say Ya Rasulullah I would like to know What is it that you placed on the side of my good deeds That now instead of going to Jahannam I'm being taken to Jannatul Firdaus And the Prophet Sallallahu will remind his ummah His ummati That you remember in a certain place in a certain gathering, you recited once with love salawat upon me. Allah. This is the reward of that one salawat. Allah. This is the reward of that one salawat. So the greatness and the fazilat of the salawat is, subhanallah, Sayyidina Sufyan al-Thawri. If I can just give you one more example. Uh, you know, great scholar of Islam, Sayyidina Sufyan al-Thawri, he was performing the tawaf of the Kaaba. And there was a young man walking beside him. And this young man was just reciting salawat. Hmm. And he was just saying, Allahumma sallallahu Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad. Sayyidina Sufyan al-Thawri asked this young man, that oh young man, tell me, everyone else is busy with zikr. They're busy reciting the tilawah of the glorious Quran. There's nothing wrong in reciting the salawat. Hmm. But I've listened to you in every shout, in every round. And I see that you really have this great love and you're only reciting the salawat mm. upon the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa And this young man then related a story. He said, O oh, Sufyan Thawri, I was on my way to perform the hajj with my father. Mm. Along the way, my father died. And when he died, his entire body became black. It became black. He says, because I was a stranger in a very strange place, I threw something over the body of my father and I started crying. I did not want anyone to see the body of my father. People would think he was a great sinner. Right. You know, something was wrong with this person that his entire body has blackened. He says, I started crying and in that state, I fell asleep. Mm. And in my sleep, he says, I saw a person coming towards me on a horse. And this person was bright like Noor coming towards me and comes and asks me, why, is it, why are you crying? And he says, I said to this person, because of the state of my father. So this person, in his dream, he says, lifted the veil and took his hand and rubbed it on the body of my father. He says, my father's body lit up, hmm. lit up. And then this person got back onto the horse and was about to leave. But then I held the garment of this person and I asked him, that, oh, uh, beautiful, radiant person, tell me, who are you? That have come to my help. And this person replied to him and said, Do you not recognize me? I am Muhammad Rasulullah. I'm the Rasul of Allah. And your father loved reciting salawat upon me. And this is the reward of that Allah. salawat. He says, I woke up from my dream 
and I saw my father's body had turned into a beautiful and radiant nur. Mm. He says, from that day, I decided that I will also want to recite as much salawat mm. as I can in my life. So, whenever we recite salawat, when we listen to salawat, we need to remember we have to say sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Very important. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam asked his sahaba, who is the greatest miser of my ummah? The sahaba asked. And said, it is a person who has wealth and does not give it in the path of Allah. And the Prophet said, no, it is the one in whose midst my name is mentioned and he does not send salawat upon me. So, yes, the greatest deed we can do in Madinatul Munawwara is reciting salawat upon the Prophet And then when we we on our way to Makkatul Munawwara, when we leave that great city, saddened, saddened, Allahu Akbar, you know, tears rolling. But yes, we have to go. Right. We have come to make the tawaf of the glorious Kaaba. No. That glorious Kaaba about which, and that glorious Makkah about which Allah reminds us in the glorious Quran. La balad wa balad. So many great places in Makkah itself. But Allah says that I'm taking an oath on Makkah. Not because of the Kaaba, because of the Hajj al-Aswad, because of Safa and Marwa, but the reason I'm taking an oath on the glorious city of Makkah, because, oh my beloved Rasul, because you are present in that city. So, inshallah, Buddha Yusuf, next week we will travel in the direction of Makkatul Mukarramah, inshallah. Malina, shukran very much. Really, Words cannot describe the feeling that I have right now, having sat here with you and uh, having listened to you. So, once again, shukran very, very much. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide and protect you. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you for what you are doing as uh, one of our leaders, our spiritual leaders. And also, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you the wisdom to continue to be of service for humanity for many, many more years. Inshallah. Ameen, inshallah. Ameen. Shukran Ameen. jazeelan. Afwan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.